What happens when your family unit breaks down and the crippling anxiety and fear of judgment destroys your health and takes you to rock bottom? Join me as I talk to Alison Stockton as she shares her story of the courageous steps and ultimate sacrifice as a mother it took to be able to begin a powerful process of healing and ultimately come back stronger than ever in health, motherhood and business. Welcome to the Empower podcast for mums in business. We are women building a business we love while making a home for the ones we love more than anything. I'm your host, Nicola Hewlin. Join me as I talk to seemingly ordinary women just like me and you as they share their extraordinary stories and inspirational advice to bounce back even stronger from challenging times and thrive in business, motherhood and life. So I am really excited to introduce today's bounce back guest, Alison Stockton. Hi, Alison. Hi, Nicola. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. I have to share with the audience. We've improvised a little bit. You are just freshly back from a run, aren't you? You're sitting there looking <laughs> glowing and amazing. And it's so good that this is audio only because it takes the pressure off but I think you look amazing just back from your run I am this sweaty very and it's, it's 28 degrees already so it's Goodness good job there's no video on this <laughs> tell your tell your um tell the audience where you're based because they're probably looking out the window and going 28 degrees around the time this was recorded well I am currently in Vienna in Austria so we have literally had so many different seasons in as many days it's I think the whole world is uh, really quite spectacular at the moment so yeah. we've gone from pouring down thundering last night and rain and chilly to back to 28 degrees hitting wow. probably about 32 today so amazing I don't think it's been that dissimilar in the UK we've had some glorious sunshine it's been a bit like August yeah. and we're in sort of just early July as we record this so bounce back stories that is what we are all about sharing and I I'm hoping you got some um, some stories to share with us today were you able to to choose which bounce back story you'd like to share with our audience there is so many, as I'm sure many people have said to you. So there is, I, I do have so many different bounce back stories, but I think the one that's probably going to be most relevant to a lot of your listeners is going to be about my panic attacks, anxiety, and depression, and how Which, I was able yeah. to bounce back from that whilst yeah. being a single mom, whilst running a business, and um, all of everything else that goes with the complexities of that. So I think that's one amazing. Part. I do. I do think anxiety is very topical at the moment, 2020, as we record yeah. this interview series. And also particularly, I'm getting goosebumps as I say this, and, and, and also particularly to women. I, I think there is a definite gender thing in the work I do. I connect with thousands of women and anxiety really seems to be prevalent. So over to you. Tell us more. It is anxiety. And I think the the stress that women are off are under and usually it's what we put ourselves under creates a lot of anxiety and the pandemic of depression and the mental health is increasing you know that's a pandemic in itself um and anxiety is something that i think is so 
overlooked. You know, so many people can just say, oh, just get on with it. What's the matter Mm. with you? Oh my God, you know, we've all got stuff going on in our lives. And yes, we have, but I think our world is also changing where we're becoming a lot more philosophical and we're, we're becoming a lot more not necessarily empaths, but empathetic to understanding when people have difficulties and struggles, that it's not just a case of, oh, for God's sake, just get on with it, because that's what I kept doing. I kept digging into that resilience. And I think resilience is amazing, but you can hit a resilient burnout because you just keep digging so deeply Mm. and the anxiety doesn't go away. You just find ways to hide it. You know, and my biggest thing was I'll just smile at the world and the world smiles back at you even though I am crushed inside and that's what what was happening to me so mine all began due to a breakdown in a relationship um and I was under so much pressure and the 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 that his new relationship was in my face each and every day. I was being criticized and judged and, you know, felt all of this pressure whilst trying to do my best of running my own business and being a mom of two boys and trying to balance all of this out. And, you know, the, the pressure and the, the, the criticism I would receive was so the crushing is the word that I can I can pinpoint which may be most relevant to people is that crushing sensation and I would have panic attacks of being out in public of are they going to be there are they going to be around me because when my children were with them I wasn't allowed to talk to my children it was very difficult and it put them into a difficult uh, position as well so that would create even more anxiety and distress within me Um, and it was it wasn't just a oh, she's got anxiety. It's actually a physical and emotional reaction. You feel palpitations. You feel your heart pounding through your chest. You feel that your throat is about to explode. And all of these things, you get hot, then you get cold, you get nervous. So anxiety is really a big thing. And the worst thing I probably did, but the best in many ways was running was my was my release running was the only way that I could cope with things I would it would just calm my mind but on many occasions I would be running and then in the panic because would they be behind me in the car would they see me who's gonna see me again and judge me um so there was a lot of that and that unfortunately because I didn't deal with it well enough at that time that did impact my children as well hugely so long story short for your listeners that um that panic attack and anxiety went on and on um initially when it first started to get really bad another bounce back story was i i am a recovered anorexic and bulimic but when that first hit really badly i lost 14 pounds in 10 days so that is because i was so anxious that i couldn't eat the thought of eating actually made me feel let me just check out 14 pounds in 10 days that was the physical impact on your body yeah Yeah. the stress hormones were going you know my cortisol was through the roof the anxiety not sleeping nervous energy um so yeah that's a stone so 14 pounds is Mm. you know one stone that's that's in like 10 days um incredible which was and people were saying to me you know how do you lose weight over christmas Yeah, you don't really want to, to know. <laughs> it's, it, it's funny, isn't it? Because obviously a lot of us, especially during this lockdown period as we record, record this, would be up for losing a few pounds. But there's yeah. a big difference between losing weight in a healthy way and losing it under the 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 
conditions that you're describing is a very different dynamic. It's a very, very, very different dynamic indeed, because as I said, it was a stress hormone. So I was high, high levels of cortisol is not good for anybody at all. And my levels of cortisol were so high that um, I think that was triggering even more nervous energy. And eventually, uh, you know, I was reaching burnout and the depression was kicking in because a lot of the time that I didn't associate my feelings or emotions, I would try and move away from them. So losing weight in that drastic um, state of being is not a state of well-being. Mm. And, and that creates a lot of illness and can in, uh, initialize um, disease as well. Uh, I think it's, it's a really... It's a really important thing to point out. And what I'm picking up on is you, you touched on the word depression. For you, looking back, is, was there a link between the two? Uh, uh, it, if we ignore anxiety, does that, does that, is it a snowballing can, thing? Yeah, they can, they, yeah, definitely. Lots of people can feel mild anxiety. Then they can feel mild overwhelm. And then you start to feel inadequate. And so your mind overrides the the actual physical abilities that you can do. So you, you start to believe that you're not good enough. You start to believe the connotations that you're being told, and then you become more anxious that you're not good enough to do the things. And then that creates that depressive state of being as well, that you can't do, be, or provide for your children. You're not able to show up for your, um, your clients because I had my own business at that time. I was being criticized for that as well. And that just triggers that the depressive state where you start, I started to, recluse I would take sleeping tablets at the weekend when I didn't have the children so I didn't have to see anybody I didn't have to communicate with anybody I would just hide and close the curtains and hope that nobody would contact me for those two days and I I took sleeping tablets because I wasn't sleeping but I refused to take the depressive prescriptions the the you know pharmaceutical prescriptions that had been given to me because that's all they said to me just take this there was no Here's a, here's a coach that I, can, I think would help you. Here's a, um, a therapist that I think may be able to help you. It was just a case of here's the prescription, go away, this will change. And I've always believed that, well, is it a placebo effect? You know, and I love Joe Dispenza. And now I wish I'd known him then, you know, a decade ago and Tony Robbins and all of the rest of it, because I was always very anxious in a different way, not anxiety, but anxious to take something that I didn't know what the results were going to be. Because would it be my own physical body able to change to heal that depressive state? Or was it a tablet that I was relying on to mask what it was that I was feeling? So even though I had the prescription for the depression, I, I didn't take it. I only took the sleeping tablet so that I could just numb everything out for a couple of days a week. So look at, looking back at that whole chapter, I'm hearing there were some things that that helped you those the you know the the sleeping tablets those those baby steps but what was it amongst all the things that you you said the doctor didn't give you any information on an alternative but clearly you found your own alternatives mm -hmm. so how would you summarize those for people who are going yeah i can you know we we all have moments of worry and whatever but anxiety yeah. we're talking about that's yeah. stuck in this pattern of re repeated we all have negative stress. emotion we all, yeah we all have stress we all have anxiety we need stress you know we need to trigger our stress hormones and our cortisol we need adrenal adrenaline to pump that's how we are as humans it's our reptilian brain it's our reptilian way of being that we go into 
fight, fight, fight or freeze. But we also need to have our parasympathetic nervous system. And what happens today, you were talking about anxiety and how it's increased in women. We, we are stuck in fight, flight or freeze constantly. Mm. So this stress level increases that constantly. And to be honest with you, it wasn't at that time that I found how to cope or deal with it. I actually had to remove myself from my children. I had to leave my children behind in order to be able to heal. Otherwise I would have been in a mental institution. And I know that for a fact, because I I just was not coherent. I wasn't able to really do anything apart from feeling this anger and I was being angry with all these different things. So that's an extremity. What an incredibly courageous and and generous you know and loving step to take you know that's that's a huge step to take and well it wasn't seen at that it wasn't seen as that at that time for sure and it wasn't again without it's more fighting and more flighting and more in that freeze mode but I knew that I needed something needed to calm the fire down something needed to ease it and I tried to be able to take my children with me to remove the whole um, fiery situation and the animosity all the time. And that didn't happen. So something had to give. And it was a long and hard decision and something I thought I would never have to be faced with. But I knew that my children still deserve to have a mum because trust me, I did many, many times think about just disappearing and falling off the place of the, the face of the planet. But then I kept thinking, well, how would they be without a mum? They deserve to have a mum, whether she's there present every day or at least knowing that she is there for them. So I had to remove myself from from the country initially, but I made sure that my children were with me half of the year. So every holiday they were with me, which, you know, in retrospect, if it had been a man that was going away and doing that and leaving the country and leaving the kids, there would never have even been a blink. But because I needed to do it for their sanity as much as my sanity, there was a lot of judgment. So, yeah, and uh, that's really interesting. I just want to share that. So you, you said there was still criticism around that. And yet when I look at in 2010, when my marriage ended, we were living abroad. I came back to the UK because that was where my support network was. The children mm-hmm. came with me. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a, an amicable, you know, arrangement. And for six, seven years, my ex-husband remained abroad and the kids would go to him for the holidays. So it mm-hmm. sounds like a very similar logistical, logistical setup. Yeah. And yet, and yet there was, you know, criticism for, for you. That must have been incredibly challenging. Huge, hugely challenging. And again, this was another journey of trying to bounce back because I knew that I needed to remove myself for my own mental well-being, but also the mental well-being of my children, regardless mm. of how hard it was, because I won't go into details, but the way that it did happen was very, very traumatic on everybody mm. um, and not something that anybody should have to go through uh, because there wasn't any communication between the parents. There, there, there was no, um, there was just nothing. It was just animosity all of the time. So the children were suffering even at that point. And so once I'd made that decision to go, there was even more animosity created, not from me, but trying to create that for my children. So my children didn't speak to me for the first two to three weeks that I was away, which was, it was like somebody had pulled a trigger and made it. I can't even begin to imagine. Yeah. So, you know, there was a lot of processing and a lot of crying and a lot of healing needed to be done. And it may sound like, 
oh my God, amazing. But when I was in Dubai and I had the sunshine and I had a swimming pool and I had books and I had time and that was where it really was my healing that I started to learn more about um, NLP and um, more about nutrition. And albeit I was, you know, working as a personal trainer and dealing with nutrition, there was more about how food triggers your brain and depression and how it can trigger all these different things. And then I started up another business again. So I started working with clients and that was really healing for me because I was able to work with people that I didn't have to talk about the same shit over and over again with. I didn't have to repeat the old stories about, you know, because everybody knew my business. So even in my work, I had to, I was finding myself talking about me and my situation because they already knew about it, as opposed to being able to go to work and be free from it. That's what was happening. So when I started the business again, that was one of the healing journeys. But then bouncing back from that, when every time the children would leave, would set me back into that tumbleweed of anxiety and depression. And I was just wanting my children to be with me. And, you know, the, the questions of my own self-judgment and own doubt and my own criticism. Well, how, how could I do that? What, what, what was I thinking of? Um, but, you know, I would, I would speak to the children's teachers and say, they'd say, Alison, don't worry. I know they'll be out with you really soon. I know they will be there. So I was hanging on to that hope that the children would be there. And then when they weren't, this would catapult it again. I would constantly get these nasty emails and judgmental emails and so on and so forth. So what happened was I started to develop something known as vasovagal syncope. And this is triggered by anxiety. Um, as well anxiety and panic attacks so your oxygen stops flooding to your brain so you actually pass out um and it happened quite a few times and i didn't say anything to anybody and didn't share it with anybody because i thought oh, i probably just think i'm weird <laughs> i probably just think it's like real and i didn't know it was real myself because it's a combination of um clinical deja vu so it's as if you feel that you're having a deja vu but your, you, almost, your brain, and it's always from the left side of my brain, particularly anyway, that I would have these dreams that seem really weird. And the next thing you know, I'd be passed out on the floor. So the, the, vasovagal, the deja vu would happen first. And then the lack of oxygen would override that and I'd pass out. Goodness. And me. then again, as I said, I didn't want anyone to think I was weird and I'm you know, living away. And did it really happen? Did it, you know, did I just did I just think that up in my mm. brain? Anyway, I found myself having this ongoing panic and anxiety and I found myself asleep at the steering wheel at traffic lights. Fortunately, I was awake at this point. So I thought, right, okay, again, is this, is, did this just happen? I don't know. But a few weeks after that, it happened again, but unfortunately I had a massive car accident and um, crashed into a concrete block. And, um, I took out 10 cars at the same time because I'd passed out whilst driving. So I saw, I knew that the deja vu was happening. Then again, didn't know if it was real. I'm driving. Is this going to pass? Is it just going to be a few seconds? But the next thing you know, I'm being pulled out of the car by, by a, a stranger trying to get me away from the car. So after reflection on that and thinking about all of the bounce back, you're talking about bounce back how and resilience. Resilience is so bloody powerful. It's like I was never going to give up. I knew that I, I, for, the, for the first week I was like, why didn't I just die? Why didn't I just disappear? I wish I'd just died and not had to deal with all this. And then within two weeks, I just had this epiphany moment and just realized that 
I'm here to help more women to not have to go through what I've gone through as a woman. What can I do and how can I make a difference? And you know, this is now five years on since I had that car accident. And since then, I've gone on to study with IAN, which is the Institute for Integrated Nutrition. I've also studied eating psychology, obviously, as we covered anorexic and bulimic. And I'm now studying functional medicine as well. So, you know, how these impacts of trauma affect disease and affect you on a mental and physical level. So when you ask me, bounce back. And that's just a mini part of the story. The biggest part of me for healing and I know it's not possible for everybody, and I know it's not even in a thought process for many mums, was to actually remove myself from that animosity to enable us all to heal. And one of the things I said to my son when he was 16, he decided to join the army. And when it was his birthday, he was 17th birthday, I said to him, you know, I am so sorry for everything you've had to go through. And he said to me, if it wasn't for everything I've gone through, I wouldn't be the man I am today at wow. 17. At 17. How incredible. I'm, I just need to name this. My eyes are tearing up. I really feel, I really feel, oh, so moved, you cry, I'm so moved cry. by what you've just shared. And I can imagine that any parents, mother or father listening to this will be moved in an equal way. And I think also it moves me because, you know, my my children at seven and 13, we had our catastrophic life in a million pieces moment. And now 23 and 17, my son is 17. And mm -hmm. I've had similar apology, you know, I want to apologize for, and, and they are so philosophical about it at such a young age. And it's part mm -hmm. of who they've become. So I can, it really resonates. And I'm sure I'm not the only one that yeah. will resonate with. So thank you for sharing mm -hmm. that. And what, what an incredible young man at seven. Oh, yeah, you know, we always want to protect them and we always want to shield them. And I know that if I knew then what I know now from all of my healing journey and understanding neuroscience and understanding how trauma affects us, I just wish I'd had the tools then that I have now so that I could have protected them a little bit more. But as you say, all we can do is be the best that we can be at the time and the knowledge mm. that we have at the time. But I think the biggest thing is, again, learning to have reached out and to have known that there were people available as opposed to just a prescription, which I was then fobbed off with. And mm. thank goodness I was resilient enough to be able to find different ways. Do you think the world is changing? You said it's been five years. Do you think there's more access and awareness to um, support that's out there now? Or is it still very, you go to a GP and they'll say, take this? I think the GPs do a great job, but they're only, they're only as good as the education that they themselves have had as a general practitioner. And if they've not been open to Western meditation, Western, I'm about to say meditation, which is coming if they're not open to um, alternative medicines such as meditation, such as, um, you know, NLP, such as CBT, and that's neuro-linguistic programming, and CBT is cognitive brain therapy. And we've now got RTT, which is rapid transformational therapy. And, you know, even acupuncture, all of these things can help. And I think if the GPs become more open to the alternatives, then yes, there is that help. But we also, none of this is available for free. None of this is available, you know, if you are a single parent and you don't necessarily have additional funds to be able to pay for an alternative therapist. 
that's the difficulty that, that people face as well. Um, so I think it is becoming more aware and there's lots obviously on YouTube and available on the internet right now. But I think the internet is also a little bit dangerous because we can go down a rabbit hole and start diagnosing things that we don't mm. necessarily have. <laughs> so, um, and, and of course there are people like yourselves who do the amazing work you do in the world. And in the show notes for our listeners, we'll have your bio and links to resources and perhaps links to things you would like to to recommend. I mean, in terms of our conversation today, what would, you know, for, for anybody who's listening, who is feeling anxious, is, you know, concerned about any of the topics that we've we've touched on today, what would be you know, what would be your advice to them? I think breathing is one of the top tips that I can recommend. And that may sound, well, we do that every day. We have however many thousands of breaths every day, but we forget to consciously breathe and connect. And I remember the first time I really did this, I delivered my youngest son at home alone with no paramedics or any medical intervention. And I knew that if I just could get my breathing right, I could deliver him and I could be safe and he could be safe. So I was already a Pilates instructor then as well, but diaphragmatical breathing is so empowering because it just takes us back to being um, coherent with our heart and brain. So if you can just take that moment and breathe, just stop what you're doing. And even if you're arguing or even if you're in that, you know, really manipulative situation with another person, it's like, okay, just gonna breathe. I'm just gonna count. I'm just going to stop and press pause and then I'm going to come back because by doing that, it helps you to think a little bit more consciously as well. So breathing is one thing. Meditation is super important. I think more and more people are becoming aware of it. Obviously it's thousands of years old, the, the benefits of meditation and it's been proven over and over again, how powerful it is, even if it's just five minutes, because you'll always hear busy moms. I don't have time to meditate. I've got the children, I've got a business to run, but just five minutes in the morning to bring yourself into more alignment and to be more connected to your day and to, to be more intentional with your day is so empowering. Again, something I wish I'd got into a lot sooner. And honestly being kind to yourself and I know that some people really get turned off by saying just love yourself a little bit more because they think it's a bit oh you know who does she think she is loving herself but it's about loving yourself enough because if you love yourself enough you're going to be able to give and receive so much more love it's when we don't love ourselves and we come from a place of hate and displeasure with our bodies and our minds then we, we we're not happy with our life anyway when we start to be grateful and more thankful and love each and every part of us whether we are ill whether because if we're ill we can heal whether we hate ourselves we can begin to love ourselves and it's making that difference and then when you can do that that heart-centered love you can actually as i said give and receive so much more and one of the biggest changes for me are two books that i read going through this apart from all my training as uh, you know with a as a health coach and um eating psychology but um Heal Your Life by Louise Hay was one of the, mm. the greatest books that I read. And also Judgment Detox, because for me, once I listened to Gabby Bernstein's Judgment Detox, I was able to release the people who had created so much anxiety and stress in my life. I was able to let go. And I remember sending an email, which I would never have done because I didn't know before this book, is 
why do you think you can judge me and criticize me all the time? And the reply was, because it makes me feel better. That for me was the release of the judgment. Mm. And their thoughts and feelings didn't matter anymore. That's and that was so, so incredibly powerful. And I just want to come, you know, you, you've just given us so many golden nuggets there. And I want to take briefly each one coming back to that breathing it sounds so simple doesn't it and breathing is free of charge and yeah and the the fact we forget to breathe sounds quite quite incredible but we do we forget to it's almost um we forget to breathe in uh, in the proper way or we don't need, we we never breathe in the proper well way. if you remember what happened well remember <laughs> it's something that happens the first breath we take when we're born is a <gasps> gasp the last breath we take before we pass is a gasp and it's the in-between bits that we just need to be more conscious with and you know I just shared that story there that I delivered my own son at home with just being able to breathe and be connected to that but one of the I was having a panic attack I remember being on the train I was going to an event in Glasgow and everybody around them was talking about their children and I just felt this guilt this anxiety and this panic because I wasn't with my children all of the time. And I could feel it. It was, it was just a crushing sensation. And I had to sit and connect to my breath. And I was able to calm that down within three to four minutes. Because yeah, otherwise, yeah. I wouldn't have been able to get off the train. So, you know, I'm not a breath work coach, but I am a Pilates trained coach. Yeah. Um, and so p- breathing with Pilates is very diaphragmatic. Yeah, really, really powerful. And there's... Um, there's a resource, I'll pop it in the show notes, called Heart Math as well, mm. which is a really simple breathing technique associated with a, a positive thought. And just applying that, we, we, trick, we trick our brain. We use our, our um, a thought and our breathing to control our heart and it yeah. controls our brain. It's really simple and you can do it anywhere and people, people can't see what you're doing. Yeah. They use yes. it a lot, I teach it a lot in the corporate world as well. I'll pop a link there. And then so the powerful. meditation and I, it was it's really important the point you made about uh, I too hear lots of people say I don't have time to meditate or I tried it was too difficult mm-hmm. and, and I meditate every morning I lay in bed and do it before <laughs> I get up and um I do a, I do a good 30 minutes I hit snooze 10 times my kids take the mickey out of me and say I'm just pretending and I'm asleep but I promise you I'm not and <laughs> one of the best ways to get started I shared it with my son as well so it's really great for, for kids is Headspace yes um, yeah. you get a free app and they're really short and it's guided yeah. meditation so even if you're a complete beginner or have struggled it's a really easy way to get started I loved what you said about self-love and you're right some people might struggle with oh so i you know i grew up hearing comment oh she loves herself doesn't yeah, she doesn't me she too. Herself. Yeah. so that can be a bit off-putting but self-care you know as mothers we take care yes. of other people yes. and just to apply that well what kind of role model do we want to be if we're not caring for ourselves, we do so much to care for our children. But if we don't role model taking care of ourselves, it's all theory. And also the kids see it, you know, yeah. I'm just for a quick example in here now that I was doing a bodybuilding um, competition when my eldest was, you know, kind of three or four. Mummy, why are you not eating that? Mummy, why are you not eating that? Mummy, why are you not eating with us? 
And if it's a little girl, these things start to embed disordered eating habits within them. So when children start to see mummy sitting down and eating the healthy food rather than, you know, picking the nuggets and the chips off the plate of the kids and not actually eating herself, she's got no energy, but she's also showing the children that, you know, what kind of relationship do you have with food? Is, mm. is mealtimes not as important? So self-care is also about when we talk about nourishment, it's not just from food, it's about from everything. Are you sleeping? Are you eating well? Are you moving and exercising? Are you meditating or meditating, as you said? <laughs> you know, are you having a healthy relationship with your partner, your loved one? Are you spending time, quality time with your children? Just, you know, doing silly things, laughing, joking, dancing around, singing silly nursery rhymes, even when they're 13 and 19. You know, do you remember that nursery rhyme and laughing? I think that's so much, so much value in that is self-care. You know, that self-care as well as just having a hot bath or a shower or having a manicure and pedicure and getting your hair done. It's about all of these things. You know, nourishment comes from so many different pillars. Absolutely. Absolutely. I love that. Alison, you have given us already so many golden gems and words of wisdom alongside your very moving and inspirational story. Thank you so much for sharing. I've got another one final ask of you, if I may. Go on. Um, I, I love to ask our guests if they will leave our audience with a bounce back invitation, a question you'd like them to reflect on and potentially answer because they can share on our hashtag bounce back stronger or perhaps a challenge for them, a challenge you'd like to set for them. What's your bounce back invitation? Oh gosh, there's so many now. My mind's going. Um, there's one thing that, you know, I think is so important. If nothing changes, nothing changes. So if the listeners are like, oh my God, I need to make some kind of a change. I'm going to challenge you to choose one thing that you need to change and work on that until you've mastered it. And then when you've mastered that, think about one other thing that you can change because once you change it, it's changed. And then you can start to create newer, healthier habits. That comes with thoughts, that comes with doing, that comes with emotions, that comes with so many things. So, you know, rather than overwhelm, which we obviously we've spoken about reducing, think about that one thing that you can change. Is it that I'm going to stay in bed and meditate or I'm going to make a smoothie every morning or I'm going to ensure that I drink my water or I'm going to ensure that I have a connected conversation with my children as opposed to being on the phone checking my emails or my Facebook messages at the same time as entrepreneurs, businesswomen, our phone is our business, being more connected. So I'm going to challenge your listeners to change one thing that will make a huge impact in their life. What a brilliant challenge so there you have it listeners that's your challenge what's your one thing we'd love to hear what you've chosen hashtag bounce back stronger come join the facebook conversation alison yeah. thank you so so much for joining us today and sharing so openly and vulnerably and inspiring us all it's been an absolute honor to have you on the show thank you so much Thank you so much for inviting me and I can't wait to listen to it. Ah, awesome. <laughs> and uh, to our audience, thanks for joining us on this episode and catch you on the next one. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Empower podcast for mums in business. And thanks goes to our podcast series sponsors, Bounce Life. Insurance to protect you, your business and your family. 
To get your free startup and business growth kickstart guide and to find out about our Empower community, go to empower.global.